All right. What a blessing. It's Christmas time already. Christmas time is hard for a lot of people. Some of us, it's the wonderful time of the Spirit that we're just excited to be with. And some people struggle with Christmas time. And, it's, and those of you who don't understand that will never understand that. And that's okay. And some of you don't understand why people are happy this time of year. Um, because you've always struggled with it. But um, it's hard sometimes this time of year. And, uh, well, we're talking about some lies we believe. This uh, last uh, three weeks we've been talking about lies we believe. And we started with, I'm helpless, I'm worthless. And today the lie we're talking about is, I'm unlovable. And... um, I've seen this, this lie, I'm unlovable, uh, in many people, uh, not men, women, over the years uh, through counseling. And, um, and some of you will never understand why someone would believe that. Some of you, that's how you feel right now. You don't love yourself. You don't know why that someone else would love you. You feel unloved by everyone around you. We uh, often find ourselves to be believing this lie that we're unlovable. As I think about this, I think about how on a spiritual basis, you know, we've, we, we talk about last week our inclination of, of God, our, our, our view of God skews our beliefs about Him and about ourselves and and. And we see ourselves, and sometimes even the wonderful, even wonderful God-fearing, theologically astute, very smart people can feel like God can't love me because of, you fill in your blank, something you've done, something that happened to you, something that is going on in your life. God can't really love me. If he loved me, this wouldn't have happened to me. You lost someone. Found yourself in financial trouble. Someone hurt you. You screwed up. (laughs) That idea that you know, I've done this, or I've done that. God can't really love someone who's done this. If you only knew, if people around me only knew what I've done, then they wouldn't love me either. And we hide who we really are because if... Because if people really knew who you were, they wouldn't love you. But on a very other real sense, I'm aware that it's not always the God, God that makes us feel like we're unloved. It's, it's those around us that sometimes we've experienced things that have shown us that we shouldn't be loved. Some of you fall in this, this category. 
people around you have done things that make you feel like you're unlovable. You've been hurt. You've been made to feel broken. And you say, well, maybe God loves me, but others just don't. The person who rejected you, the spouse that cheated on you, the family member that used you, the one who's supposed to protect you and didn't. Or maybe it's our view of love that's askewed. Well, if you really loved me, you'd treat me this way. You say, well, I do love you, and it's because I love you, I'm not treating you that way. For example, if you literally loved me, you'd let me just get away with whatever. Or you'd, let, you'd like hanging out with me no matter how I behave. Or just because if you loved me, you'd give me all your money. We see that one quite a bit, don't we? If you really loved me, and you're bro, I know you don't have money, but you would give all what you do have to me. That's, uh, and so not only can we feel like people don't love us because we've been, we've done something or we've got some kind of skewed view of God. We may have a skewed view of the world because people have hurt us, but also sometimes we have a skewed view of what love is. And that, that skewedness leads us to a place where we're like, well, I don't know if I can be loved. I'm unlovable. You know, shame is a powerful tool. And we don't talk enough in our society. We don't talk about honor, shame. We, we use words like pride and embarrassment. But we're really touching on same aspects, the shame aspects. That shame, is, it's a powerful tool that can leave us to, to believe that we're not only unworthy of being loved, but that, it, that we have no control over our own lives. That no matter what we do or how hard you try, nothing will ever change. And I, I reckon that for some of you in this room, you say, well, the first lie that I'm helpless or I'm worthless, those didn't really, but some of you, this lie that you're unlovable really hits home for you. And we are incredibly hard on ourselves. Don't raise your hand. How many of you are too hard on yourself? Yeah, some of you are like, I want to raise my hand right now. <laughs> it's two hands for me, right? <laughs> I'm incredibly hard on myself. And because of this, we're, we're so hard on ourselves, we, we turn on other people because we're so hard on ourselves that we, we turn on those who are closest to us, which makes us feel bad about ourselves. And so it circles in around and makes us feel worse. And so we feel unlovable because we're unlovable because we're being hard on ourselves. We're making kind of another. And it's just a violent, vicious cycle. But as we... We talk about this. The first thing we have to address is, is where our truth comes from. If you are unlovable, then God can't love you. But the truth is God does love you. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves, even though we don't feel loved by him, 
You're like, well, God, if you loved me, you know, that person wouldn't have passed away. Or I wouldn't be sick. Or I wouldn't be struggling right now with my finances. Or there would be no hungry people in the world. Sometimes we get really crazy with it. If you really loved us, there'd be no you know, hunger in the world. Which is kind of silly, in a, if you think about it, in a broken world. The fact that some people are hoarding food and other people don't get some is, is, is just really should be what we expect. It doesn't make it right, but it's what we expect. It should be what we expect because it's a broken, fallen world. And we have to realize that God loves us, and this is a central part of the story. If we are to believe Jesus, the Bible, and we're a, the society that believes the Bible more than probably God, um, sorry, did that hurt some of your feelings? Um, some people in this country worship the Bible more than the one who wrote the Bible. And, and we, we say, well, I want to be, if I'm going to believe in the Scriptures, I'm going to believe that God, the God of the Scriptures, then the central part of the story is that God loves us. And there's nothing we can do to make God who is loved, 1 John 4, 16. And we have come to know and believe that the love of God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. God is, love is not God, but God is love. We've reversed that sometimes in our history. Say love is God, and all that matters is love. But God is love. And so if we say that a God who is love, and we say, wait, the God who is love doesn't love me? That's to question his very character. That's to question the very nature of who he is. You say, well, I believe the scriptures, but I don't believe that passage. That's to question the very nature of who God is. Now, that, of course, that doesn't give us a carte blanche to do whatever we want. We, we know that. But it does give us assurance that He loves us. I think sometimes that we need to remember that God, that we need to see God as the loving Father that some of you really wanted growing up, some of you had. God's Father, He's waiting some of, for some of us, just like that... Uh, in Luke 15, the, the father waiting for his kid to come back. And the other... 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the father has lavished out on us that we should be called children of God. Even the very nature that we are able to be claimed as child of God is a very act of love from him. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know this is they did not know him. If they don't know that there's, we, if, if you don't know that you're a child of God, do you even know God? What love that is. And of course, the most common passage we talk about when we talk about God's love, right? John three sixteen. You guys all memorized that one, right? Do you know three seventeen? Um, 
For God so loved the world that he loved his only son. I, li- I like the, the um, one of the translation I read, I think it was the French translation, used the word unique there. His only, his unique son. Because he's different. He's unique. His unique son, the one who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I mean, let that truly sink in. If I'm unlovable, then I'm questioning the very nature of who God is. If I believe this lie, I believe God doesn't really love me. And that's the furthest from the truth. A straight up lie from the enemy. You may feel that way, but you can't believe the lie. But then we also have this issue, say, well, God may love me, but no one else can. And why do we feel that way? Because we're comparing ourselves to others. Because we're comparing ourselves to others. We, we, we miss who we are in Christ. Our attitudes say we're, we're unlovable. Even though we say, well, we're made in God's image, but we're unlovable to everyone else because... Wait, that's flawed thinking. But we compare ourselves to others. Even though 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says don't compare yourself to others. It says you do not dare to classify or compare yourselves with someone who, uh, who commends themselves when they are measured themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. That's a lot of themselves, isn't it? It's foolish to compare ourselves to other people, and it's only gotten worse with social media. As we're like, well, I'm on very little social. I don't compare myself. If you're on social media, you're going to compare yourself at least a little bit to the world around you. It's just going to happen. You're going to see that person with what's going on in their life. You're going to see what's going on with their health, even though they're fake images. I mean... You guys would be scared to know how easy it is to fake an image on Instagram or Facebook. And how hard it is to pick out the fakes. And we often compare ourselves to others. We just say, you know what? I want to see that my life compares to others. I want to be in the social norm and I want to live the life. But that just leads us to an unwise situation where we're supposed to be comparing ourselves to who? Am I the image of God that he's created me to be? And we know we're not going to make it this side of earth. We call that glorification, but we're sanctifying. We're working harder to get. We're not working hard. That's the wrong word to use. We are working meditatively with joy. We got a working hard problem, don't we? I can work hard enough to get there. No. We work with joy and meditation to become more like Jesus.
But sometimes it's not about comparing ourselves. Sometimes it's about something we've done in the past. We say, I can't let go of it. I can't let go of it. Even though the Bible tells us that we're supposed to, right? I mean, Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget former things. Do not dwell on the past. I mean, it doesn't get simpler than that, right? Don't dwell on the past. We must move forward. When we're always, we don't forget the past. That's not what the Bible, that's passage saying. It says don't dwell on it. It means it's there. We don't forget it. We learn from that mistake. We move forward. You can't move forward if you're looking backwards. Well, you probably could, but you're going to crash into something. (laughs) We have to, we must look past the past and say, I'm going to move forward, not dwell on it. I'm not going to forget. I'm going to learn. So that also means that if we're saying, well, the thing that, you know, that I look back and say, well, I, I, God, you can't let me because of the things I did, and we're still doing them, we're still caught in the past, right? Because we're still in that action that we know is wrong. But you've been made new by Jesus Christ, so we need to put to death those actions. And sometimes it takes hard, violent action to cut it takes to put some things to death. Like if your issue is on the phone, that's a sin, that's it's a place that you're, you find yourself in sin, we have to, you know, get rid of those temptations, or, you know, we have to, we have to do work to if that person you're always, t- that you talk to is always leading you down the wrong path, sometimes we've got to cut that off. I mean, these are things that don't come easy. But we also have to, not only do we have to to put the past in the past, we must find that we must love ourselves. And I'm not talking about that selfish, you know, we're good at loving the selfish nation ourselves. But I'm talking about loving the you that God is making you into. That's why the Bible tells us, he says, uh, when Jesus says, what's the greatest command? He says, love God with all that you are, right? paraphrased and then he was he said the second is just like it he says love your neighbor as yourself and the emphasis is on your neighbor but then there's that word that you can't love your neighbor if you're not loving yourself if you don't like who you are you're just going to take it out on everyone around you and actually i found that to be a case about a lot of times when you find someone who's really being mean to you, whether it be at church or somewhere else, often it's because they're not happy with who they are. And they're not happy with what's going on in their life. And so they're angry. They're just taking it out on anyone. They want people around them to hurt as bad as they're hurting inside. Some of you have found yourself where you're acting that way because you're not happy with who you are. But the truth is, if we've got to love the, the you that we're being made into, say, I'm going to put away the past, but I want to move forward in God's love and believe that God is leading me to be His image. And He's not going to make an image that is broken. He's not going to make an image that is incomplete and unlovable he is love 
And so as we reflect that, we must be love. The image he's made in us, and we must love others. Some of you, you're never going to believe me when I say you're loved. Some of you are never going to say, feel like I feel lovable. Those lies are so ingrained in you. I pray that God moves you past those lies and feels that you are loved, no matter what the circumstance. And yes, there are some attitudes and some things that you can correct to make people like you more. But you're loved. Let me give you an example of liked versus love. You can love someone, but you know that person that's always talking about their high school days? Uh, some of you are there. I'm not talking about that one day you reminiscing. I'm talking about those guys who are living in high school. Because that was your glory days. No one wants to be around that person, right? You're like, I'm today, you're 20, you know, 20, 40, some of you a lot longer than that. Uh, years ago, I ran into people like this when I was working at the college. Uh, you know, they were just out of high school, but they weren't living in their days now, what's going on in your life now, what's moving forward, what's God doing in you now, they were still back in high school talking about the time they scored the touchdown on Friday night. And you know what? Those people grow up and still talk about that Friday night, and no one really wants to hang out with them because they're still talking about Friday night football when everyone else has moved on with their life. So that's, you can still be loved by people, but no one wants to hang out with that person. Because as you know, we don't, so there's attitudes we can change to make people like us more. But that doesn't mean we're not loved. Because even though those people are stuck on Friday night football, God still loves them. And we call to love them. And the best thing we can do to show them love is to say, hey, I'm, I'm glad you did great Friday night football. But what are you doing now to live your life? call them. So as we think about, there, there are things that we, we could talk about. We, think, we could talk about things like, are there things in our past that are, are laying claim to your life that we need to give over to Jesus? We say, you know, there's things in my life that are, are leading me astray. Are there things that we need to ask Jesus to bathe us in his loves, in the innermost being so that we feel that we can be loved. You know, he loves you and he's going to pour his love out on you. We need to receive it. Sometimes that's what we do, right? We say, you know what? I've, I know God loves me, but I'm going to put my umbrella up so I don't get none of it on me.
Maybe your next step is that I need to, to surround myself with people that speak truth into me. And if they're lying, maybe we need to kick them to the curb. You can love them later, but right now you need to focus on believing that you are loved and lovable. Stop believing those lies. Maybe there's someone in this room, they need to accept Jesus Christ for the first time. God loves you so much that he gave his only son to die for you. Father, I pray that you lead us down a path of believing that we're lovable. Lord, we know that you love us. Help us to understand your love. Even though in many ways it is un- <laughs> ununderstandable. Lord, help us to show your love. Let us be the image to those around us of your love. That people may feel that they are loved. Lord, help us to love ourselves. The self, not that selfish desires, but the, the you that you are making us into. Help us down and walk down that path. Lord, we love you and we worship you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. Thank you, Brace team. get my my bible ready all right well we're on the last of the uh, mental health issues we're going to be doing this uh this this session uh the first one we talked about was i'm helpless the lie that i'm helpless the next lie we talked about was i'm worthless and today we're talking about one that if you didn't relate to the first two, this one might be one you relate to. I'm unlovable. And I don't know how many times I've seen this kind of behavior and thought pattern in people over the years of counseling and being a pastor. But uh, men and women both struggle with that, uh, that lie I'm unlovable. And I, it's, it's expe- especially poignant because it happens on, uh, on, on multiple levels. When we think about it, it's, it happens, one, because sometimes we don't believe. Uh, our, well, we talked last week about how our image of God can askew the truth because we see God in a way. And so if we see, you know, and even God-fearing, theologically astute, smart people can feel like God doesn't love me. It's a lie, but even true blue Christians that you would never think can fall into that trap that God doesn't love me. 
You say things like, well, if you knew, if God knew what I would, well, wait, God already knew, but, um, <laughs> but we, we, if God only knew what I had done, or we say things like, well, God can't forgive me because I've done, I've done this, I've done that, and we'll talk about that more, but when we, we have this image of God, it's, it's not a true image of God. We've let our image of God be askewed. And so it can make us feel unloved. But sometimes it's not just about God. You say, well, God may love me, but if you knew what I had done, then you definitely wouldn't. Those around me. And the very real reality is many people around us have made us feel like that. They've made us feel like we're unlovable. Maybe because of something we've done. And you say, well, I, you know, as soon as I found out about it, they stopped hanging around me. Or things, those person that was supposed to protect you, didn't help you, didn't protect you, and made you feel like you weren't worth it, you were unlovable. You say, well, I know God loves me, but people reject me all the time. Allergy season. Ah. Hmm. But people can make us feel unloved, right? The one who cheated on you. That spouse who, who cheated on you. Or uh, that family member who used you. Often we can feel unloved because people don't treat us the way we deserve to be treated. Shame. You know, we don't talk enough about honor shame in our society. We use words like embarrassment and pride, but we're trying to get to the same imagery that the, the biblical word uses, honor and shame. But shame is so powerful that it can drive you to believe that not only are you unworthy of being loved, but that you have no control over your own life. That no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, nothing will ever change. I feel unlovable. And then on top of all of that, we are incredibly hard on ourselves. I, don't raise your hand. Uh, but how many of you are too hard on yourselves? <laughs> you're just too hard on yourselves. And because you're hard on yourself, you say, well, I messed up or I... And so then you're hard on yourself. You're not happy with the way things are going in your life. So you start taking it out on the people around you, those closest to you. And then you feel bad because you took it out on them. 
And then you feel, because you're, and then you get too hard on yourself and you take it out on them again because you're feeling bad about yourself. And then you feel bad about that. And you say, well, I'm just un- unlovable because I just take everything out on everybody else because I don't like me. And it's a vicious cycle that keeps going and going and going. And you feel bad because you're taking it out on them and then you take it out on them because you're feeling bad and then you take Yeah, some of you are in that trap right now. You're like, I I know, I know. Hide my journal a little better tomorrow. (laughs) And we can be hard on ourselves and and, and never feel like we're doing enough. We can say, well, I'm not trying enough. I'm not, you know, we can turn people around on us. We can feel guilty for pushing them away. We can feel unlovable. But if we're going to believe the truth, the, f- the first truth we have to believe is that God loves you. God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter how awful you are, become, were, God loves you. Because if we say, well, God can't love me, we're actually questioning the very nature of God. 1 John 4.16 says, And now we have come to know and to believe that love, the love that God has for us, God is love. That's a statement of the very nature of who God is. God is love. Now often in our society we want to reverse that. Love is God. All you need is love. That's not, that's not what God, however, is love. God is love. How could a being whose very essence that he is love not love you? So if you say he doesn't love me, you're questioning the very nature of who God is. Making him into something he's not. You might be saying, well, he's a cosmic cop, always looking to strike me with that punishment ticket. A slave driver, always needing, maybe he's the vending machine God. Give me a Porsche. No, the slot machine God. Well, if I pray enough and I keep playing... Those are not the nature of God. But it tells us in the scriptures that God is love. And so we have to believe that he is love. So the very nature that how could a being who is love not love you? You may not feel like you say, well, well, our view of love may be askewed, right? We hear this all the time. Well, if God really loved me, then this wouldn't have happened. If God really loved me, then I wouldn't be in financial trouble. If God really loved me, then my my spouse wouldn't have ran out on me. If God really loved me, then there'd be no, we get really crazy with this, there'd be no hunger in the world. There'd be no sick people ever. Which is really kind of silly when you think that right in the beginning it tells us that we're in a fallen state, a fallen world. It's broken. And so we should expect brokenness in this world. That doesn't mean he doesn't love us. In fact, because he loved us enough, he wants us to have the same love for him. He's gifted us with authority because he is love 
to say, I don't love you. He wants us to love him with the same love that he has. So he could have just snapped his finger and said, you will love me. But that's not real love. He said, you need to be, if you, you want to be truly in love with me, you have to be able to say, I don't love you. So therefore we have, we get caught up in these circles of free will. You have the ability to say, I don't love you. And so you say, well, if there was no hurting in this world, that would be the true sign that God will love you. And he said, no, that's actually the sign that he's enslaved you. Now we're looking for a time when there'll be no suffering in this world when he comes and makes it all over again and we're not broken anymore. And, but he loves us. He loves us. He loves you. He's like a father. Some of you don't have that father figure in your head, the, the right father figure in your head. You got the broken father figure in your head. Some of you got the good father figure in your head. He's a father waiting for you to return, maybe encouraging you to do life to its fullest. Like in Luke 15, right? You know, we see that, that, that father. Uh, I'm not going to read that whole passage. You can read it on your own. Luke 15, there's a father figure in there waiting for his son to return home. And, and the other son's like jealous, and, and he has to deal with that son too. And... and uh, 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. I mean, even the very act that we can be called the children of God, that He is Father, shows us how much how loved we are. And that, of course, if we're going to talk about the love of God, we have to talk about that most famous passage, right? John 3, 16. We should all have it memorized. Of course, also memorize John 3.17. And go ahead and go 3.18 too while you're at it. It's a good one. Uh, but John 3.16, we all know that one, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only unique son that whoever should believeth in him. That's right. That's fantastic, isn't it? That he loves us so much that he uh, that he gave his that he became flesh the, that that he gave his life for us. I mean, what a, the ultimate sacrifice for a friend is that you lay down your life for them. Oh, what a blessing that is! That's that's the gift that gives us eternal life. Is we can say he loves me that much that he's going to die and go on the cross for me that I may have eternal life. All we have to do is accept that life. Accept that freely offered gift. It's there. We gotta believe that he died for us. He loves us that much. The only sin he says is unforgivable is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is basically saying, get away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't, I reject your forgiveness. Everything else is forgivable. Now, of course, that doesn't give us carte blanche to do whatever we want because he loves us, so he's gonna say there's a path that leads to the best life we can have. So we have to follow the best life because he wants us to live the best way we can. 
because we don't want to have our view of God, love askewed. But when we have that, 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 that lie that I'm unlovable, we're questioning whether God loves us. And they say, well, okay, well, I've got that. God loves me, but no one else can love me. And I, I believe this is really a misunderstanding of, uh, of who Christ is in you. Christ doesn't make unlovable people. Christ doesn't make unlovable people. We maybe become hard to love because of some of our attitudes. We maybe the kind of person that people don't like to be around because of our attitudes. But you're not unlovable because you're made in his image. Now often we feel unlovable when we look at other people, though, because we compare ourselves to other people, right? We're always comparing yourself to someone else, right? And it's only getting worse with social media. You say, well, I'm on social media. I don't compare myself. I don't believe you. Social media is designed to help us compare ourselves to someone else. That's what it's there for. If it was really about catching up with your friend that you not, hadn't seen in 20 years, you'd just write them a letter. Second <laughs> Corinthians 10, 12 commands us not to compare ourselves to others. We do not dare classify or compare ourselves with someone who commends themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. That's a lot of themselves, don't you think? <laughs> when we compare ourselves to others, we're getting caught up in the themselves race. Well, look at them. And they're saying, well, look at them. And they're saying, look at them. Really, we should be saying, look at him. And comparing ourselves to the social norms, comparing ourselves to others living, this is what leads us down the path of saying, well, I just can't be unlovable because I don't have this, or I'm not like that, or you know what, they have this much money and I don't have money, even though all that stuff is fake. Social media is fake. I see a lot of people here that don't know what a computer is. So you would be amazed <laughs> at how easy it is to fake those images. How easy it is. I could take your face and put you in a mansion on some ripped body, and you'd be like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so easy to fake those images. And you can't tell the difference many a times. But not only do we compare ourselves to others, we also feel shame because of stuff we've done in the past. Right? Even though Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. You know, for a society that worships the Bible sometimes more than we worship God, I say that in all love, as Americans, we sometimes can put the Bible ahead of the one who wrote the Bible. We don't believe it very much, do we? It says, forget the past. 
forget things. Do not dwell on it. We can't forget what happened in our lives. That's just not going to happen. Even God doesn't forget. I love the idea of God forgetting my sins because it's not what the Bible tells us. It says that he has chosen to overlook it. He locked it up in a box and threw it away. That's actually even more powerful because it's where we can, we can forget what, you know, I don't know about you, but I forgot what breakfast was. Um, he, an all-knowing God, doesn't forget. He just chooses to overlook it. That's even more of a sign of love. He says, I love you, and I want to overlook this. And he says, don't dwell on the past. You know why we don't dwell on the past? Because you can't move forward in the past. If you're looking in the past, it's not that you've ever forgot it. You know it's there. But if you're focused on the past, you're going to crash into something when you try to move forward. Don't believe me? Go try it when you drive your car out of here. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't hear me say that. Uh, look forward. You will crash if you're focused on the past. So we, we find shame that leads us down a path that, that keeps us from feeling lovable. We find shame that says, well, I, but God says, I forgive you. I want to move forward with you. And our job is, as fellow believers is to say, you know what? That is in the past. We have to look forward with people. Now, if you're still doing the thing that you're ashamed of, it's time to put it to death. That's what the Bible tells us, to put it to death, which is harsh words, because we talk about, you know, putting it to death means, you know, actually taking that vicious action of saying things like, you know, if my phone is causing me to sin, it's better not to have a phone. If my computer is leading me down a path, or that friend, I'll put that in air quotes, friend, that is, I'm always leading me down a path of destruction, Maybe it's better not to have that friend. That's hard. These are, they make us, they get us torn up inside because we have to, to, to say, I have to put this to death. But then I found another reason why sometimes we don't feel like we're loved, why we feel like we're unlovable. It's because we don't love ourselves. We don't love ourselves. And we can say, well, you know, the Bible tells us not to, to love self. And, uh, and we say, well, I'm just a no good nothing. And we, I'm not saying be selfish. We don't need any more narcissists. There's enough of them out there. We don't need any more narcissists. But God is creating in you something beautiful. You are his image and he's building, he's molding you, he's modeling you into something amazing. You'll never be perfect this side of this broken world, but, but he's molding you into something fantastic. And we have to love that. We have to love the image that God is making us into. You know, the Bible tells us, the, the, God, God as Jesus asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love God with all that you are. That's paraphrased. Love God with all that you are. And he says, the second commandment is like it. He says, 
love your neighbor, focus on your neighbor, but it's as yourself. The reality is there, if you don't love yourself, you're not going to be able to love your neighbor. Because what do we do? When we don't like who we are, we don't like what we're doing, we, don't, we take it out on everyone else around us. Because we treat the world just like we're treating ourselves. And so yes, we don't want to be selfish. We don't want to be... The focus was on the neighbor in that passage. But the assumption is that you at least love yourself. And you say, well, if I don't love myself, then you're not going to love your neighbor. You're not going to love your neighbor. You're going to be harsh. You're going to be stuck in the past. You're going to be the person no one likes. You're going to be that complainer. How many of you guys know that person that always complains? They've never had anything good to say in their life. I know a few of you. I'll look this way so you don't know which one I'm talking about. No. <laughs> the reality is when we don't like ourselves, we bottle it up, we take it out on everything else. We can't fulfill the, the commandment to love others. And so we say, well, I'm unlovable, therefore I can't love anyone else. But we have to say, you know what? God is creating in me something beautiful. I may have done something in the past. But I'm going to put, not dwell on that. I'm going to move forward in his life and his truth. I'm going to make it better. It doesn't mean the consequences of that action may go away, but I'm going to move forward. I'm going to not work harder. We're in a society that loves to work harder, right? No, I'm going to work with joy and his grace, and his mercy. I'm going to work in his love. I want to work in his life. Harder won't get you there. His joy will. And some of you, you're never going to believe me. You're always going to say, it's been so ingrained in you that I'm unlovable. Some of you have been hurt that bad. I pray that God removes that lies. That someone comes in your life that loves you. Some of you are, the past has laid claim to you and your life and you need to give that up to Jesus. Some of you have, have so much um, of an attitude that, you know, no one wants to, be, you're like, people don't love me and, and, and your attitude is not helping. You don't love yourself. I'll give you an example of this. This is, this is a common one when I was in college, and I see it here, I see it everywhere I've ever been. That person that lives in their glory days in the past. Um, for example, I saw this when I was in college. I've talked to people here. They don't want to hang out. You don't, people don't want to hang out with me. But when I do talk about myself, it's about when I was scoring that touchdown in high school or when I was... No one wants to hang out with that person. Why? Because they've moved on with their life. You still haven't. That makes you really unlikable, but it doesn't mean you're unlovable. Because we get those kind of confused, doesn't it? 
really we need to change our attitudes. I remember when I was in college, and of course, you know, I'm talking about things I'm doing. I'm going on mission trips. I'm going, learning about Christ. I'm, you know, loving the study and, 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 and challenging myself with people that believe things different than me. And, I'm, and I talked to someone, another person, and, and, and what are you doing? And they said, well, I, I used to be, uh, go to mission trips. I used to, or, you know, when I was in high school, those, uh, you know, those Friday night lights were all I saw. And they're still seeing it. Well, no one wants to hang with that. I'm talking about now. And you know those people? They live their whole lives that way. And people just get tired of hanging out with you. Some of you are that way. You're like, ah, uh, that's me. We got to love the person we're being coming, not the person we were. Because the person you were, hopefully, has changed quite a bit. Because God is forming you, making you, growing you, making you more than you ever thought possible. And so some of you are, that past has laid claim to your life and you need to move forward. You need to say, I need to give it to Jesus. Some of you need to bathe in his love and let his love let you know that you are, 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 are worth loving. Because, you know, God's pouring out his love and he's pouring out his love. And, his, and, and some of you got umbrellas and like, I, I don't want any of that to touch me. It says, no, I want, I'm pouring out my love. And so you need to remove the umbrella. Let his, let his love flow over you. And you surround yourself with people that are speaking truth into your life. And if they're lying to you, you need to kick them to the curb. I know that's harsh. But you don't need people in your life. Maybe there's reconciliation later in your life, but right now you need to feel loved. You need to not just feel love, you need to know the truth because there's going to be times in your life when you're not feeling it, right? And that's when we need the truth more than anything else because it's not about your truth. It's not about your feelings. It's about His truth. It's about His truth. And the truth is, you're loved. You're lovable. You are loved. And we as a community need to reflect the love of Christ. And I'll tell you what, this church here, Laughlin Community Church, does a great job at that. Some of you guys know that love. You walked in here and you've just felt it. But as we think about this, we think, you know what? We need to accept the truth. You are lovable. You are loved and you are worth loving others. And it, you know, it's been hard. And for some of you, it's been harder than for others of you. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about because it's not something you've ever struggled with. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And he used to say, you know what, I am lovable and God is making me into something beautiful and I can show that love through me to someone else who doesn't know that they're lovable because he pours it down on us for the world to see. Father God, right now, I pray that you would break the lies 
The lie of unlovableness. Oh, Lord, I, I know that there are people in this room who believe they're unlovable. Lord, I pray that if there's things in our lives that is keeping us from you, sin or attitudes that need to change, Lord, I pray that you would, you would crush those, put those to death. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling right now because they feel that they've been hurt. Lord, I pray that you would heal those wounds. Let them to trust again. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bring your mercy and your grace upon us. Lord, that we know that you love us. Lord, help us to know that you are love. Not believing the lie that love is God, but that you are love. And that as love, you love us. And as fellow believers made in your image, we love others and are worth being loved ourselves. Lord, put in us the health that you desire for us as we believe your truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.